Hello, friends. Welcome to I Am Who I Am podcast. Um, we're in 1 Corinthians 10 today. It's warnings from Israel's history. There's much to learn from Israel. Um, they would, God would prosper them and they'd fall away. God would give them everything they wanted, their heart's desires, and they'd leave him. We see so much of that in the world today. The world, especially this country, is so blessed by God. Yet we're at wholesale falling away from God in this hour. So let's just jump right in there. 1 Corinthians 10. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. This is when they left Israel, I mean, left Egypt, um, going through the Red Sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. You remember the manna and the water that came from the rock. For they drank... um, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. Man, now I don't. I don't. I tried to figure out the the um, that rock that accompanied them was Christ. I don't know if that was literally Christ in a spiritual form, but Moses was a type of Christ. We know that for certain, and. God gave them everything. He gave them spiritual food, spiritual drink. He gave them, I mean, he gave them food every morning for 40, for 40 years or every day for 40 years. Well, every morning, that's right. And he delivered them from slavery. Yet God was not pleased with them. Why was God not pleased with them? Because they had an ungrateful, unthankful heart. They were not thankful for what God had already done for them. They just wanted more and more and more. And God was testing them to see if they would be faithful and love him. And they didn't. And so uh, it, it's, it's sorrowful. But that's, that's, that really is a picture of the world, especially in this country. This country is over and above blessed. 5% of the world's population consuming 50% of the goods. At least we used to be. And yet... God is not God is not necessarily pleased with this country and what we've become and how pagan we are becoming and how uh, secular we are becoming. And so it's sorrowful. So these are warnings. Israel's a warning. And we ought to heed the warning. Unfortunately, most aren't. Let's keep going. Now, these things occurred as an example to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Where It's like those who forget history... Those who forget about Israel are going to become just like Israel. It's sad. We're not supposed to set our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in pagan revelry. Man, I see more Muslim mosques and Hindu temples out on the road now than I ever have. Uh, the, 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 this country is going more and more pagan all the time, walking away from their Christian roots. Amen. Um, we should not commit sexual morality as some of them did. And one day, 23,000 uh, of them died. Man, sexual immorality is rampant in this country. California produces more pornography than anybody else in the world. And the and the second most secular country in the world, Japan, is the one that produces, is the second most purveyor of porn. And they are very secular. They are very difficult to evangelize. And so we see again sexual immorality. And 
the abortion clock. If you get online and just and type in abortion clock, it'll tell you how many abortions have happened uh, worldwide since 1980. It'll blow your mind and break your heart. More people have died in abortions in the last 42 years than all people have died in all wars since the beginning of time. That is a fact. And it is sorrowful. And that clock is always running. You watch, it's a live site and they're keeping up with abortion worldwide. And it is tragic and terrible. Amen. Um, let's see. Uh, we should not test the Lord as some of them did and were killed by snakes, man. The world is going to, turn the tribulation, the world is going to test the Lord like never before. And many, many people are going to die. And do not grumble as some of, the, some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel again. What's the chief sin? It isn't pride. Pride is always the first guess by everybody, including me. The chief sin, the number one sin is an ungrateful, unthankful heart. That is what led Lucifer into pride and destroyed him. He wasn't grateful for what God had done. The position he had with God, he was ungrateful. He had an ungrateful, unthankful heart and it destroyed him. Amen. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. They're talking about those in Christ, man. The fulfillment of the ages has come to us. We're part of that. In Christ, in grace, law fulfilled, sin atoned for. The fulfillment of the ages is upon us. And again, there are warnings for us to walk in a different way. Why do you think God wrote the Bible? He spent 1,600 years, 40 men, three languages, three continents to put together his thoughts, his hearts, his, his thought, his thoughts, his heart, his mind. He wanted us to know what his desire for us is. Amen. Um, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. Man, a lot of people, I see preachers on TV sometimes, and I'm not putting preachers on TV down, but, you know, the, they, they, get, they get puffed up because they become very popular and they think they're standing firm, but they're full of pride. Man, you got to be careful. You got to be careful of the accolades you receive. The Bible says a man is tested by the praises he receives. Pride comes with praise. If you receive praise, pride comes if you're not careful. Amen. Uh, let's see. No temptation has seized you except that which that is which is common to man. There is nothing new under the sun. The same temptations happening now happened thousands of years ago. It's all it's all just replays itself. Satan just, Satan is the ultimate recycler of temptation and sin. He he puts a new face on it. He makes it more modern, but it's all the same darkness. It always had from the garden on. It's always been the same darkness. Amen. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted. Uh, let's, let's read these together. Uh, 13. Uh, I, I, I stopped in the middle of 13. No temptation has seized you except, that is, except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can stand up under it. Some, uh, you'll hear sometimes, and I say it, we've all said it, I couldn't bear this. That's that's a biblical lie. We all can bear everything that comes at us, but do we want to bear it? Do we choose to bear it? Or do we are we enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season? That's the question. I'm not putting any of us down. I'm not condemning any of us. I'm part of us. But we can overcome all sin, but, but we often just don't choose to overcome it because we're enjoying it too much. Let's be honest with each other. Let's be honest with you know with ourselves. Uh, sin is pleasurable. 
And it's hard. Some of it is tough to overcome. Some of it is repetitive. Some of it is addictive, like sexual sin and alcoholism and things like that. There are addiction is part of that. But through the grace of God, you know, as Paul, as God told Paul, with his thorn in his flesh, my grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient to carry us through all through all temptation. Amen. And He will help us if we look for the way out. He will help us stand up under it. Um, idols feast. Um, Idol feast and the Lord's Supper. Okay, we're switching gears here. Um, let me get some water here. My throat's, I just woke up. <laughs> I tried to do this earlier. I was so tired. I was sitting in the chair falling asleep. I said, well, time to go to sleep, Lord. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. Man, run away from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Now, remember, this This is a totally idolatrous pagan culture. So, much, much more than we are today. I mean, there's a church on every corner in America. There was a, a an idol's temple on every corner in, in, in the ancient Corinth. So these, these were tough days, man. I mean, you know, there was so much darkness in that way. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we, uh, for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? See, the... We're participating in the blood of Christ. We do the Lord's Supper. We participate in the blood of Christ. And not, and is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ. It's a spiritual participation is by and blood. Remember me. We're remembering him. We're participating. We're, to, we're taking this into our heart. Amen. Because there is one loaf and we are, and we who are many are one body for we all partake of the one loaf. Jesus is the one loaf we're all partaking of in him. Amen. Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean that the sacrifice offered to an idol is anything or that idol is anything? No. But the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot take part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than than he. What I what I assume here is that they were falling back into a pagan idolatry. Let me see on here. Sixteen see that. The idea here's um sixteen through twenty. The idea of unity and fellowship with God through eating sacrifices was strong in Judaism and Christianity as well as paganism. And it goes on. Uh so they I think they were confused and they uh, I don't know if some of them were falling back into paganism. That's why Paul said, "Flee idolatry." So, but we can't we can't straddle the fence here. You know, we can't you know one day be doing the Lord's Supper and all that, and the next day be eating sacrifices to, to idols and demons. God wants us to be completely um, chased on this, not to participate and uh, not to arouse His jealousy because we are not stronger than Him. He is a jealous God, and we can't play games, especially the Lord's Supper. There's something so intimate and personal about communion. We should see that in an intimate, personal way. It's a celebration. It's a remembrance of the body and blood of Christ. And to mix that with any kind of pagan stuff, any kind of darkness is terrible. So Paul was warning them, you better run from this stuff. It's going to kill you. The Believer's Freedom, uh, verse 23. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Man, this is such a powerful, these two verses. 
Everything is permissible. In Christ, we have total freedom. We do. Not freedom to sin, but freedom to serve. You know what I'm saying. Grace is not a license to sin. That's not what Paul is saying here. What he's saying is, everything that is good is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. And here's the key. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. The permissible things, and I use it, uh, I, the, the simple example, my father's an alcoholic, okay? I'm not putting my father down, I'm using him as an example. It would be permissible for me to, to, to drink alcohol in his house when I go to visit him, but it would not be beneficial um, or constructive to him for me to drink alcohol right in front of my father. It would hurt him. And so I shouldn't seek my own good because I'm free to have a glass of wine or free to have a glass of beer. It would not be, I shouldn't be seeking my own good, but the good of my father. That's a perfect example. Man, we shouldn't be doing anything to cause our our, our brothers and sisters uh, to stumble. Nothing. Amen. Even though we're free, we shouldn't use our freedom in that way. It should be used in a loving way, not a not a foolish way, not a selfish way. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord and everything in it. So Paul was saying the dietary law is done. If you want to eat pork, eat pork. Eat whatever's sold in the meat market without any questions of conscience. Um if although I know you know this, but the things that the Bible says in the Old Testament not to eat weren't good for you physically. God in his wisdom was trying to warn people, you don't want to eat these things. They're not really for the human body. Again, but I'm not trying to rein you in. I'm just saying that's p- part of the reason uh, for the dietary laws. Um, uh, let's see, uh, verse seven, uh, 27. If, if some unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, Eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if anyone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the man who told you and for conscience sake. The other man's conscience, I mean, not yours. So Paul didn't want these people to be confusing others. Hey, man, you know, let's say paganism was still big today and they were sacrificing animals like they did back then. And you're invited to your friend Bob's house. I love to use the name Bob. You invited a friend Bob's house and he says, oh, man, I this food that we're eating was sacrificed to, to uh, Ashtar, sacrificed to to Hermes, to to Pleiades for whoever, Jupiter, <laughs> whatever. Man, don't eat it. Because you because you want, wouldn't want to come in agreement with the pagan and hurt his conscience going. Because then he would say, well, man, it's, it must be okay because this Christian who believes in Jesus is eating this. No, you would be injuring him because you would be coming into agreement with his idolatry. You can't do that. As I used the same example. I used it with a friend of mine last night. I said, the line I draw with people is, I don't beat anybody up over their sin, but if they try to draw me into their sin or they try to get me to come into agreement with their sin, that's why I draw the line. That's why I say no. You know, if you want me to, if you want me to tell you abortions isn't sin, I'm not going to do that. If you want me to tell you homosexuality isn't sin, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be drawn into, not that I'm going to participate, but I'm not going to come into agreement with people on their sin. Sin is sin. And I'm always going to say so without beating up anybody, without hurting anybody, without, uh, without, you know, hitting them in the head with a rock because they're a homosexual. But don't ask me to agree with it. And that's what eating food sacrifice idol. You'd be coming into agreement with that guy and his idolatry. And you don't ever want to do that. 
That's where the sinner is destroyed. The minute we stop saying sin is sin, the minute we come into agreement with the sinner, and that's the difference between Jesus, my wife asked me this, what's the difference between Jesus eating with the prostitutes and today, what's going on in the world today? I said, simple. Jesus ate, ate and drank with the prostitutes and the tax collectors and all these quote-unquote sinners, but he never agreed with them their sin. Jesus made it eat with prostitutes, but he wasn't sleeping with them. And But today, the world wants us to not only... Um, uh, to not only eat and drink with them, but to agree with them that they're not in sin, that they are that they're fine with God, and, and God is I'm okay, you're okay. God is a God of love, and wouldn't condemn anybody to hell, and all this stuff. And you can't do that. The minute you tell the sinner he's not in sin, you condemn the sinner to hell because he'll never repent. Again, we don't go around with a with a machete. We don't go around with a gun in one hand and a Bible in the other. As I've said. But we don't come into agreement with darkness ever. We don't ever come into agreement with darkness. If you don't, if you don't want me to, if you don't want me to be against you, don't ask me. Don't ask me a question that I'm going to answer and break your heart. <laughs> if you want to be in sin, that's your choice. But don't ask me what I think about it because I'm going to tell you it's sin and you need to repent. So, <laughs> now there you go. I think that broke that down good. Um, let's see here. Uh, for why should my freedom be judged by another's conscience? If I take place part in a meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because something I thank God for? Again, my conscience, my, my freedom isn't judged by others. And I like that. I like that. Um, you know, I'm a free guy. But I'm not going to use again that, that freedom to come into agreement. But I'm free and I'm glad I'm free. And you're free too in Christ if you choose to be free. Amen. Uh, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whether you do, do it all for the glory of God. There is the key right there. Is what you're doing for the glory of God? If it is, then you're doing the right thing. Amen. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. Man, we don't want to be a stumbling block. Go to Romans 14. It says exactly the same thing. Don't be a stumbling block to our weaker brothers and sisters. We don't want to cause anyone to fall, especially the family of God. We don't want to, you know, a lot of people are struggling. A lot of people are still struggling. A lot of people are weak in Christ. There's very little discipleship in this hour. We need to be sensitive to that, not to cause our brothers and sisters to stumble because of the freedom we have in Christ. Amen. Um, even, as a, even as I try to please everybody in every way, for I am not seeking my own good uh, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow Christ. Let's read that whole thing together. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Amen. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone every way. For I am not seeking my own. So Paul was trying to please everyone in every way, but he didn't want to be a stumbling block. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. So Paul was always looking out for the other guy. Paul was always trying to gear his message to the people, his audience, so that as many as possible could be saved. He tried to be relevant. I've said it before. If you're hanging out with fishermen, talk about fishing. If you're hanging out with sports people, talk about sports. Find a way to be relevant with your audience, the people you're talking about, so that they can be saved, so they can relate to Christ. You know, God told, Jesus told fishermen, I'm going to, told Peter and the boys, I'm going to make you fishers of men. They understood that because they were fishermen. Again, being relevant is so key. Um, 
follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So why do you think we have these words? Because we're supposed to be following the example of these men who wrote the Bible. So as they, well, how's go back to Paul's position? We're supposed to be the, following the example of Paul and Timothy and James and John and Matthew. We're supposed to be following their example as, as they follow Christ. And amen. So simple. Follow those who are following Christ. <laughs> if someone, someone in Christ is following him and following after his ways, he's worthy of being followed. So simple. Love you, love you, can't get enough of you. 20 minutes today, not bad. We covered the whole chapter. Uh, we're into chapter 11. Next time we come back to Corinthians. So we're wrapping up this book. I think we only have uh, four more chapters. We'll go through 15, no, 16. So 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Six more chapters. So coming along. Then we'll be in the second Corinthians and don't know what I'm doing after that as far as following this line. So love you, love you. Can't get enough of you. Appreciate you. And uh, man, just just keep following the example of Christ, following others that follow the example of Christ. So simple. Man, appreciate you. Love you. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Oh, Revelation Wednesday tomorrow. Ooh, chapter nine or 10, I think. Ooh, it's going to be good. Love you, love you.